Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for another edition of Raising Vibration Radio. I'm your host, Reverend Raven, and tonight I have Alistair uh, Sweeney, um, who happens to have an accent. I love it when I have somebody with an accent on the show. Well, tell everybody where you're originally from, Alistair. Uh, yeah, um, my name is Alistair Sweeney. I'm uh, originally from Auckland in uh, New Zealand. I, I actually uh, was born in the United Kingdom uh, in uh, Harpingdon, uh, just uh, sort of North London. And then I moved to New Zealand when I was about two or three years old. And so I grew up in New Zealand and then I immigrated to the United States in 2016. Um, I lived in Connecticut initially and then Hawaii um, on uh, the island of Kauai, and then I moved back to Connecticut, where I'm currently residing. Wow, you have just been all, all over the place. <laughs> I lived in Oahu. How did you like Kauai? Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. It's such a sort of small town feel, uh, and it's we. My wife, my wife and I visited. What was it back in 2014 and then we 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 loved it we fell in love with it and we always wanted to come back and so we, we made the decision um in 2018 that we would move there and we yeah we spent like a year and a half we had our wedding there and it's a magical place oh that is really awesome so let me ask you a little bit about yourself. You know, um, I, I know that you're you're into health and, and meditation and yoga and 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 clearing the mind out, right? Like your mind is the most important thing. I I kind of got from uh, reading about you, learning about you. But how did you get to that point? Tell us a little bit about your story. How, you know, where you came from, and then when did you have that aha moment, and where you are now? Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's been quite uh, an epic uh, story. So I uh, was in the army in New Zealand. I um, trained at the Australian Defence Force Academy uh, in Canberra and trained at the Royal Military College, uh, Duntroon. And then I returned to New Zealand and I became an infantry officer in the first battalion of the Royal New Zealand Infantry Regiment and I served in East Timor. I served two deployments there uh, and also in Afghanistan I served a deployment there um, as part of the New Zealand Provincial, Provincial uh, Reconstruction Team in um, Bamiyan Province. And when I, I decided whilst I was in theatre uh, in Afghanistan that I, the army perhaps um, wasn't for me anymore. Um, but I actually, after that, I went into uh, private security and I worked as um, in private security uh, as a security manager, advisor for um, offshore oil and gas drilling um, based out of Mombasa in Kenya. And then I uh, wanted to get away from security and I was having some um, sort of like difficulties with my body or just old injuries coming up. I played a lot of rugby being from New Zealand. Uh, it's like it's the culture, um, cultural thing there to do is to grow up. I played rugby since I was five years old. I never considered myself really good at it, but 
I did make uh, like a semi, like a provincial team um, when I was in Australia, when I was in Canberra. And then I, uh, I, I was, it was sort of, um, I was just about to immigrate to the United States and I'd been practicing yoga a little bit and I really found it great for my back. And I had uh, a month off between when I was able to um, fly or have my interview and then fly to America or and I didn't have anything to do and at that time I was looking online and I found uh, a yoga training teacher training and so I decided to um, get on board that was at Kawai Pura Pura which is in um, Albany in Auckland New Zealand and so I did that uh, it was, I think it was about uh, three weeks um, training and I loved it and uh, as soon as I got to America that's the first thing that I wanted to do and I created my own uh sort of yoga um business and i was i was well i was just teaching at a number of different studios and then i was offering um free classes as well to veterans and first responders and uh, i began uh, volunteering at the local fire station uh, and i was offering uh, yoga classes at the fire station as well and then i met this lady her name suzanne manafort and she was running a program teaching yoga to veterans in Newington, Connecticut, as part of the VA um, PTSD program. And so I um, linked up with her and I did some of her trainings, including the 100-hour um, mindful yoga therapy. And there's a number of other um, yoga um, for veterans organizations that I also linked up with um, uh, Veterans Yoga Project, uh vetoga uh the connected warriors and so i was just grateful to do some trainings with them and learn a lot about how to deliver trauma-informed yoga to um uh veterans and first responders and so that's what i got into and then what sort of happened was um i decided that I wasn't perhaps looking after myself as much as I could. And then so I decided to sort of take a break from um, teaching for a while to sort of just work on my own practice. Uh, and that led me to sort of move to Hawaii and just sort of delve into different practices. Um, I learned more about sort of like Chinese um, Qigong, Tai Chi practices, and just um, trying to uh, practice different types of yoga and I just found my my body was benefiting more and more where I thought that I'd healed one place more mm -hmm. and more things came up and so yeah that's sort of been my journey um, and at the moment so now that I'm back in Connecticut I teach um, yoga that's I call it like more like mindful movement because uh, it's easier to sell to veterans and first responders and so I teach mindful movement uh, meditation yoga nidra which is uh, sort of guided guided relaxation and um, we also include uh, gratitude practices and I teach with uh, an organization called strengthen your mind initiative and uh, it's based in uh, Vermont and we do different retreats for veterans and first responders and yeah and I've also been just involved with some other organizations veterans organizations um, 
including the Warrior Connection, which was uh, based in Pennsylvania and now is uh, out of Texas. Wow, that is amazing. And I, I love that you're helping um, our veterans and, and our first responders because it's it's inevitable that they all suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, seeing some pretty violent things out there they come across. And even though we think we can get past it in our mind, it's still, we saw it and we can't unsee those things. And, and they manifest in other ways in our body because we don't know how to release them. And what you're doing is teaching them how to release that. And that's amazing. Did you have an experience um, for yourself that got you started on this path of, of seeking this? I think it was more um, like physical, uh, but I the more that I practice, the more that you learn that um, all of your physic physical issues um, are really mental and all, all your mental issues are living physically in your body as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's, I, I um, continue to, to uh, suffer from scoliosis. And so when I was in the army, I, one experience was I was in a mortar platoon and um, we carried a lot of heavy equipment. And uh, so I, I definitely recognize that my back suffered from from that. Uh, and uh, just just my initial experiences with, with um, practicing yoga really helped to um, manage my back pain. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, and then the and a second aspect of it was um, the meditation and it, for me, it just started with uh, at the end of the yoga classes when they do the Shavasana practice, right. which is the guided relaxation. And just the peace that I felt with um, no thoughts for the, like, the first time in my life was definitely an eye-opening experience and just led me to really want more and more of that um, experience of peacefulness, calmness. Um, that led me to delve deeper and deeper into a yoga practice. Wow. Look, so um, getting to the meditation part, uh, how good are you at like quieting your mind altogether? I find it very difficult to, mm. to shut that thing down all the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my meditation practice has definitely not been consistent. It's been on and off. I did the um, mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Uh, and that's an eight-week program, uh, and I definitely found that beneficial. So we, as part of it, you do body scans, and then you have a daily meditation practice. And I've, I've kept that up. And then I've also just, I guess, I'm uh, what's called a, an eclectic. <laughs> I sort of take different spiritual practices and just try them to see if they if – they, um, so I was um, doing japa for a while, doing the um, – uh, the beads uh, with mantra, and then um, I would do different like uh, tantric meditations, um, meditations on chakras, uh, and so and then you know meditation in itself it's so very like yoga in itself can be um, when practiced can be a moving meditation such as tai chi or qigong, um, so and then there's walking meditation. Uh, I've I've managed, I've uh, had the opportunity to uh, practice with 
um, a, I, 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 sorry, I can't remember his name at the moment, um, but uh, he's a Vietnam veteran and now he's a Buddhist, a Zen Buddhist monk, and he ran a meditation practice for veterans. And that was one of the first times that I felt that I was getting uh, perhaps better at meditation. But it's funny that I say that because being good at meditation is not the essence of it and being clear of your thoughts is not the essence of meditation for me it's been more about recognizing the thoughts and every time that you recognize the thought that is the meditation because you're actually separating your awareness from your the consciousness that sits behind your thoughts and the thoughts themselves and when you can do that you can start to recognize that you know like you are you're not your thoughts and there's a separate entity that sits behind you. And sometimes the thoughts that arise, they sort of arise from nowhere. And you just, when you can sit back and potentially like use the witness qual um, quality to view your thoughts, then um, you can, <laughs> there's, you recognize the strangeness of your thoughts. You recognize that so many, you have so many repetitive thoughts that just continuously arise um, and potentially just out of nowhere. So with that being said, and you, you practice, you know, like let's say moving meditation, mm -hmm. uh, like Qigong, right? That's moving uh, meditation, moving real slow, right? And uh, focusing on moving a certain, you know, your hands and your stance and all that, correct? Yeah, well, um, Qigong, so Qi is um, the uh, Chinese version of prana. And so essentially um, our bodies and everything in the universe is made up of energy. And uh, we have this energy inside of us and we can use it, we can manipulate it to um, assist us uh, to, for healing or to assist us for um, spiritual go gro uh, growth. Mm -hmm. And so um, in yoga, we do... Um, pranayama which is moving prana through the breath uh, and so you see uh, if you attend some yoga um, classes you may have done some breathing practices uh, where there's potentially some holding of the breath there's some breathing quickly or there's um, breathing for slowing down the breath and all that um, is a way of moving prana or moving energy through the body and then through practices like Tai Chi and Qigong, you're actually like, you're uh, vi visualizing the movement of that energy. And at the same time, you're um, using like the hands to sort of manipulate the energy within yourself. I gotcha. Do you, do you think that energy gets stuck sometimes in our body, uh, stale and... And, and it needs assistance with moving and we're not even aware of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so uh, in uh, the uh, yogic philosophy, um, there's a term called samskaras. And so they are um, blockages in our energy. So um, the sages um, years, uh, like thousands of years ago, went into um, in meditation identified that there was over 72,000 of what's called nadis and those are energy channels within the body that aren't associated with our nervous system so they're beyond the nervous system 
and um, they're also linked to um, what you may have heard, like the chakras um, mm -hmm. in the body, which are sort of like the conduits or the centers of those of those um, energies. And then there's also um, main energetic centers. So the the central energetic ce um, center is um, called Shushumna, and that essentially runs along the side, the parallel with the spine. And then you have um, either side of that, Ida and Pingala, which um, join uh, along the parallel of the spine into each of all of the chakras. And so, and there is, that's associated with um, like the feminine and masculine, sort of like the yin and the yang, uh, the um, solar um, and uh, lunar, different um, types of energies. Mm -hmm. And you can, because uh, the, we have masculine and feminine energy within us, um there's the ability to balance that um through different practices as well wow um i often think that like you know recently we we were supposed to do this show last saturday and i hurt my back mm -hmm. and uh i think that i hurt myself uh because i had some kind of stagnant energy going on there do you ever feel that way like if a human being hurts themselves in some way that it, it could be some stagnant energy or some, you know, something built up negative in the system. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it depends on, uh, I think your, your own belief systems have a lot to do with um, what happens in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely, um, I was actually having a conversation with a friend last night and he was saying, you know, sometimes the universe um has a message for you and if you don't listen it just turns the message up louder and louder and louder until you get the point right <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe the point was uh that just to slow down and just to take some time to rest and and if you're not listening to that then sometimes something can happen to force you to slow down and rest and recuperate and maybe have the opportunity to go inside and and um, connect with your divinity. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, yes, I, I totally agree. Sometimes that uh, we can take, I or myself tends to take on too much stuff and then something happens and it's like, it slows you down and it's like, it's a real buzzkill actually when you get slowed down like that because you want to keep moving forward and get things done, but yeah something happens and then you got to slow down and say, okay, now I have to rest. And that's not fun either. You know, I, cause I feel like resting is for when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, we, we do this um, practice uh, yoga Nidra uh -huh. and uh, it's a sort of, it's, it's best. It's it most easily des described as um, a guided relaxation, but uh, it's, translated actually um, more as like being divine sleep or psychic sleep or yogic sleep um, and so it's where it's a state you move through different practice you it's lying down as well which is also good because it's easily accessible for people mm -hmm. but that was it's a really a, it's been a very strong practice for um, veterans and um, first responders who suffer from PTSD and, and a lot of other people who suffer from stress or chronic stress mm -hmm. have difficulties with sleeping. And this um, uh, 
no there's no actual scientific studies but the yogis believe that um 45 minutes or to an hour of this practice is worth four hours of REM sleep wow and um they so you, and you move through different stages it's very similar to sort of to a sort of meditate meditation um but it's more taking your um it's like release of the senses and then you take your awareness inside into the breath and then into different visualizations and for some um, veterans it has been the first time that they've had uninterrupted sleep um because we're it's we've opened it to that if you stay awake during the practice then you get more benefit but if your body's tired then it's a great opportunity for sleep mm -hmm. to catch up on sleep and um yes yeah, so it's been uh a lot of veterans and first responders really appreciate the um, yoga nidra because it just again it's that experience of just coming into that peacefulness with without thoughts and without pain without flashbacks without memories um interrupting your you like well your natural state of peacefulness because if you can believe that uh, that is our natural state and then all this other stuff that we put on top of ourselves is all is an aspect of our conditioning wow so um the yoga nitra that you talk about mm -hmm. how does one get started in doing that yeah, I guess um, a, a great way to, for um, people that are interested would just be go on YouTube uh -huh. and type in Yoga Nidra. So Yoga, um, Y-O-G-A, which uh, translates actually into union. Um, and then uh, Nidra, N-I-D-R-A. And uh, yeah, you can just search that. And there's a number of online um, uh, from ranging from sort of 15 minutes all the way up to 45 minutes with a number of different teachers. Uh, some yoga studios will offer um, this practice as well, mm -hmm. uh, and so you could you could request that. But generally, um, yeah, a good place to start is at home. So that's what we do as well as part of our program. We don't start with the yoga nidra because sometimes it can be make people feel a little bit uncomfortable to lie down for forty five minutes with someone that they don't know and um, have them with their eyes closed, and so we um offer that as a recording for people to get used to and then i think uh, week three of the program is when they we offer the first yoga nidra so that people feel more comfortable and um and then by the time we actually get to there people are wanting it because they have experienced it at home um listening to the recording and then they um they want to and then of course there's more benefit to have to for it in person because you're having that sort of transmission of teaching you're also having the sort of that, that collective peace peacefulness mm -hmm. within the room sort of magnifying that energy um yeah wow so um so it's basically though right i know you can youtube it but it's better in person because of all the energy that's in the room not only the instructors but everybody's energy there working together yeah definitely uh so uh there's i mean you you probably won't find every yoga studio that's offering yoga nidra it's more of a um but then some uh, one of the, like when I was teaching yoga nidra in Hawaii, um, mm -hmm. 
I would teach uh, restorative yoga and yoga nidra. So I would combine restorative yoga, which is practice um, using sort of supportive um, bolsters and blankets to create um, like a relaxed pose that provides openness. And it's more, I call it um, yoga for your nervous system because it allows your nervous system to soften, all of your joints to soften. And then um, I used to do half of half yoga, um, restorative yoga, and then I would finish it off with a yoga nidra and um, people would um, definitely be uh, relaxed and feeling at peace at the end of that class. I feel relaxed and at peace right now while you're talking. I mean, I could see where you would be very successful at what you do because you have this very calming, very nurturing voice and the energy that's coming through. Uh, even right now in this podcast, it's amazing. So, it, you know, it, it feels, uh, it feels uh, just very soothing. And I, I bet you've heard that from other people before. Yeah, I have a few times. I think it perhaps has something a little bit to do with my accent, but um, I don't think so. Sometimes the accent as well is um, can be a hindrance because if people aren't used to it that much, sometimes they think I say other words than I actually do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have heard that before. Um, some people say that I sound like the the headspace, um, the headspace guy. Like, are you on it is that you on the headspace app and i said no no no. that's that guy has a british accent but um yeah i i um i have uh heard that before that sort of my nature uh has been um i guess i'm developing that nature of more peacefulness as i and then you know just as uh we practice in yoga that you know, it starts with yourself so that when you can bring more peacefulness into yourself, then you can bring more peacefulness into the world. Well, I definitely, that is a very true statement. And it's just like the, the story of the kid that, you know, um, that the father kept, put, you know, trying to get rid of him and he tore up a puzzle uh, 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 the newspaper for him and it was a, a, a picture of a man uh, and he tore it into little bitty pieces but on the back was the world and and so the kid just put the world together then the man came together so you know the, you, there's different little uh, objectives or different types of uh, uh, pathways where we can achieve that and I just, I think you're amazing though. I just listening to your voice and uh, your calmness and everything like that. Like I can definitely see you should actually put some tapes out there or something <laughs> for people. Do you, you, do you do any YouTube stuff as well? I have, I've, I've, I've only dabbled and I want to do more. I think, uh, you know, I have, uh, I'm still working with um, some my own insecurities a little bit around uh, putting myself sort of out there too much, but I know that that is um, in the future somewhere. And so I've been a little bit hesitant. I think an aspect of that is because uh, I've really been trying to focus on working on myself. And mm -hmm. so, but I, I've re recognized that there needs to be a balance between uh, working on yourself and sharing 
your gifts or sharing um, your knowledge and sharing your wisdom with um, others who may benefit as well. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I find that whenever I'm helping out another human being, it's really I'm helping myself mm, in, yeah. in the same way and stuff. And I, I just think that you'd be totally amazing because I, I mean, I'm just like, I've learned so much from just this little short period of time that you've been on here. And I, I, I would love to watch you on YouTube and, you know, and, and do the yoga Nitra on there or, or even the restorative yoga. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's a good practice for anybody that's had an injury yeah. um, or anything like that, or just, you know, they've not done some type of exercise for a really long time mm -hmm. and they need to, you know, open up, you know, get everything flowing again. Yeah. I, I also work a lot with um, the yoga therapy balls. So they're there. It's sort of like lacrosse balls essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, you work working out all of the, all the knots and um, I do a lot of lot with my with my foam roller as well, and so I guess um, it was interesting because I re remember uh, when I first started practicing yoga, and one of the statements was, you know, find your own yoga. And um, one of um, the teachers that I have actually here in Connecticut, and he said that, you know, you shouldn't follow anyone else's. Um, programs you should be always trying to create your own because uh it's individual like everyone's body is different and so you can't just i mean some it's it's often good to um take like a standardized uh approach or to um initially because you're learning more about your own body but then once you start to learn more about your own body then you should start to adapt the practices to suit your own body and a lot of teachers as well um, really emphasize that as well because you know that some some people want to jump in and do like a hot yoga class with um, like a, a vinyasa that's very physical and maybe they that's not the the ultimate for them that's not going to be as as of benefit for them because um, of some of the injuries that they have or some of the um, you know, bad have bad um, habits that they have, um, mm -hmm. physical habits, and so maybe they want to start with more like a gentle class or a or a gentle flow to sort of get into the rhythm and more understand their body before they move into some more vigorous activity. And that's what I found as well. Particularly, like I used to I used to run a lot, and then um, I stopped running. Um, I I still I, I enjoyed doing hikes and stuff, but I just found the running was um, I was uh, one of the, I listened to a lot of different teachers um, like on YouTube and stuff. And one, one of them is Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. And he says that um, he talks about jogging as, um, as that like uh, implorable sport. And he says that um, it's like people are saying that, you know, it's determinately good for them. And they're just like banging on their heels and, and, um, and like, uh, rocking their bones and things like that where and you know people and sometimes you see that you know people like jogging on the side of the road or something and they just look like they're really struggling and I mean maybe they're you know and they're pushing through a lot of 
difficulties and that's how they cope and that's maybe a part an aspect of their meditation practice because like running can be meditation as well but um i think that sometimes when you recognize some of the aches and pains and some of the how you're compensating um, mm -hmm. with different like for myself you know having um like a crooked spine with scoliosis and recognizing um that you know well i i I know that I lean to one side and I know that I um, walk with um, a lean and, and things like that. And so that has an effect on all of my muscles. But when I, re with, as I continue to stretch them out and like lengthen those muscles and soften those muscles, then it's actually bringing my body more, more into alignment. And so that's going to be helping me be a better runner if I wanted to go back into doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I think running's violent. You shouldn't go back into doing that. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have I have dated several runners in my lifetime, and my my last one, uh, he had to have two knees replaced, hips. It's not worth it, people. Yeah. It's too violent on your body. We actually uh, we were doing this practice last week, and we were. Um, uh, and we were talking about how when you move, just like moving your foot, um, like stepping to the top of your mat or something. And um, because I, I remember this when I initially started yoga, one of the teachers would say, um, like, you're not to create any sound when you put your, when you put your foot down. Because, you know, sometimes we'll, uh, in some classes, when people are stepping to the front of their mat or something, you'll, you'll hear a lot of bangs and like bangs, people like, bang their foot down right and my teacher would say you know it's it's um like softly planting your foot down peacefully because the energy of that bang is actually uh, vibrating up your leg and creating um like issues with the energy in your leg so when you can gently place that down and i thought wow you know you could use that for even just in your hiking imagine just hiking within every step you were conscious of placing your foot down gently so that you were and um Thich Nhat Hanh which is a great um Buddhist teacher and he talks about like kissing the earth with your feet and so that's Aww. a great that's a great thing to think about when yeah. you're going out for a hike yeah, during the springtime yes it <laughs> is be mindful you know of, of of how you're you know stepping on the earth and mm. wow because yeah that's right that's that's energy that's not only going through us, but the earth too as well. And, and, and that is kissing the earth. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, a great quote of Thich Nhat Hanh is um, he says that uh, if you think walking on water is amazing, try walking peacefully on the earth. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so does, so does your wife do yoga too as well? She does uh, practice. I think she, she enjoys um, the Tai Chi and Qigong more. Right. How, how did you guys meet? Doing that type of work, or uh, no? We met a long time. She, we met before I started practicing yoga. Actually, uh, we met traveling. We we're both avid travelers, so it's interesting because when you said, "Oh, you've at the beginning of our session today," you said, "Oh, you know, you've been. It seems like you've been to so many different places." Well, together, well just me and then her as well because we traveled we've traveled apart and together but like for myself i've been to over 50 different countries wow. and um and i think that that's been 
just an amazing part of the journey as well, just to experience different cultures. And when you do that, it just um, it opens yourself up to just a different uh, different type of living and and how other people live. And particularly when you go to other places that don't have much um, and you see just the happiness in people and you think, wow, you know, you don't see this happiness in like New York City and stuff. You know, no. where people living in villages and things like that and so yeah we've traveled a lot and um, we actually met when we were both traveling we met on a island in greece oh yeah nice. and then we um um and then uh um my wife um she her name's rachel she came and down to new zealand and at the time i was working in private security so i was working out of africa but i would come back to new zealand and visit her um and then uh yeah and then i finished the contract in africa and um she was working in tortola mm -hmm. which is the u the british virgin islands and so we met up there again and then we traveled with each other for a while we went to puerto rico and then back to connecticut where um i met her family and then we uh yeah and we've continued to, oh we we've and then we've lived in new zealand um and in the in connecticut and hawaii we've spent different um times uh different we've lived in different places just for short periods in mm -hmm. the us as well in colorado we lived um for a summer we lived for a summer in maui and um then we and then uh, yeah we lived in on Kauai as well but then we traveled um we did six months traveling in southeast asia which was wonderful we went to bali vietnam uh philippines uh, that is awesome yeah and so yeah it's just a wonderful experience and just it's one i really enjoy um interacting with different cultures and even while i've been here it was interesting just my last job uh my job at the moment i um work at the american job center here in mm -hmm. uh, new haven it's like my day my day my day job and i um have just been working on a program supporting the afghan refugees with work readiness training and so um helping them to understand the sort of american work environment and so i was just grateful for that because i i guess i had a little bit of knowledge about the afghani culture mm -hmm. and so i could hear that um with them and they i guess i think they felt a little bit more comfortable with me that i had been to their country and knew um and so we were just trying to i was just trying to like set them up for, for success and um finding a job and um landing a job here in america um and uh, yeah, there's been there's um, there's quite a few uh, uh, Afghan uh, refugees that have recently come from Afghanistan, uh, and they're they have I I recognise that they have overwhelmed a lot of our um, immigration or like the uh, refugee services that um, the US has in different states. Mm -hmm. So I was just. Yeah, I was just happy to support them there. And so um, some of my knowledge of different cultures has has come to fruition, which is good. 
So how, how, how do we, um, uh, you know, here in, uh, Americans, how can we help some of these refugees that are coming in and they seem overwhelmed? What can we do to help out? Uh, I think, um, the, just, I think being uh, like embracing all people that come, um, to, to the U S and, you know, I guess probably day to day, just if you see people that are seem that look a little bit lost or, um, recognizing, I think one thing would be like recognizing that, you know, you hear people say, oh, you come to America, you should be speaking English. Well, some people arrive day one and, you know, we had, I had, I mean, this it sounds strange, but I, I recognized this, which was, I had, um, like, I've had some people in my classes who were, who are illiterate from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so they can't read or write in their own language. And so you can imagine how difficult it's yeah. going to be potentially be for them coming to a new country to learn English and will learn probably how to read and write in their own language first and then learn English and then learn how to read and write in English. And you know, that's, that's a long, a long process. And so I think that just being just people being accepting of other cultures mm-hmm. and being accepting, like for one, for, for instance, um, like in uh, Afghanistan, it's common for uh, as part of their Muslim faith for people to pray five times a day. Mm-hmm. And so um, like I recommended to my um, company that we have an area that if some of our Muslim customers are coming in, that they feel safe um, going to to pray. Because at the moment, it was just at sort of like at the back of our lecture, our lecture room that I set up a small space with a prayer, uh, prayer rug that... Um, they could use to to pray and so just and then i guess being aware that like companies being aware that just like the muslim faith is a part of uh, these people's lives and um that they um it's really important for them to have that time and that space during the work during the work period to to pray and um and but i did i did speak about how um it is uh it needs to be negotiated because you can't be like oh there's we need to do we need to have this delivery and then you'll be like no no well you know i'm meant to be praying and it's like well no you know we actually need this delivery delivered now so there needs to be some sort of um compromise but uh i think that one one thing that i was i found interesting um because coming to america and i guess uh they there's most of a lot of the holidays are still based around sort of the Christ, uh, christian um, christian faith mm-hmm. so for, for instance and in, um, by muslims they um celebrate eid but but they don't but they don't have that like most companies don't have that as like, like a particular time that you would have off and so um it's uh i think that that is that was just something that i was aware of that um perhaps you know i know that in different schools they offer people you know you can take any holidays at different times because you know there's different jewish holidays and different um people who have of different faiths have different holidays and so Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that but i think it's still maybe 
um, just people being more aware that all of these different faiths have different holidays, different that they potentially want off from work. I'm just focusing on work because that's what I've been doing. Right. Working with the people around. Um, but uh, what else could you do? I mean, there's you could donate as well. I mean, I for, for myself, I always like to um, more donate my time rather than my money or donate my effort. Just as right. you were talking about today, how you were um, helping to build um, shelters um, for the homeless. You know, I think for myself, that's what I sort of feel more inclined to. And so maybe um, volunteering for, say, like the uh, literacy. I know that um, we have uh, literacy volunteers here in Connecticut mm -hmm. and they do amazing work with people, um, helping them to um, improve their English. So maybe if your English is good and you're a teacher, you could um, you could uh, you could do that. Or maybe just if you see someone. Um, and they're like a, they look a little bit different to you, and they look like uh, they speak a different language or whatever. Just maybe just go up and say hello, and just sometimes saying hello to someone who is new to the country and who doesn't feel potentially all that welcome at the moment can do amazing things. Oh well, I I <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Uh, in all of your travels or even working with the, the Afghan uh, refugees uh, in our work culture versus them, like what is their work culture like? I'm just curious because you <laughs> brought that up and I was, I, are we, so we're very different here, I guess, in America and our work culture. Yeah, it was, I think one of the most, um, I guess to answer your question first, um, some of the thing, aspects about their work culture is, um, you know, well, one of the things would be the way that they find jobs is, is predominantly through like friends and family. So there oh. wouldn't be like a, there is a, um, an online service at the moment that you can go on and look um, for jobs in Afghanistan. Um, and, but uh, a lot of those, um, jobs would be through like your community particularly uh, in the in the um sort of more regional areas uh they're more as funny because we have these conversations like all the time one of the things is uh, that i bring up is that in the american workplace it's not it's taboo to talk about um politics and religion where pretty much that's that's a lot of almost all what they talk about in the <laughs> Afghan workplace is um, you know their faith, which is so important to them, and then you know um, about the different um, what's going on in the politics. And so I sort of mentioned to them, you know, just just don't perhaps don't go around and asking people about different um, like what all their different religions are and what they. Um, and who they and who they follow politically because you may not you may get some sour faces <laughs> but one of the most um interesting things has been is i one question that i asked them um, as part of my workshop is what um what do you see as the differences between the the culture in america to just because you know they've only been here for just a few months now mm -hmm. and i just say what do you think what have you experienced a difference in culture? And some of the things that they've said have just opened my eyes so much. So one of the things was about um, getting takeout. 
So they said that in Afghanistan, you're actually seen as a poor person if you get takeout because you don't have like that love within your family to sit down for a meal and um, you don't have the time to prepare like a loving meal for your family and stuff. And so it's seen as like, um, like the people, your neighbors would consider yourself, like they might actually bring food over to you because if you, if they, if they saw that you were trying to get like, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And I just thought, man, you know, because that's almost opposite to here in America where you're, sort of seen if you go out to a restaurant you're seen as maybe have like you're more affluent whereas in that culture it's almost the opposite uh, that is what you know i kind of agree with their culture though because <laughs> yeah. if you got to go out or you got to get food delivered you are poor you know from a family's point a sam point not yeah. being able to do the you know, have the friends and family gathering and sitting at a table. We miss that here. That mm -hmm. that is kind of gone by the wayside here. Yeah. Yeah. And the other ones, um, I mean, I've got quite a few of these, but uh, another one was um, just the respect of the elder, older people. They said mm -hmm. that the people in America don't seem to really ex um, respect their elders where it's more, it's seen um, that you're like brought up to respect your elders in Afghanistan. Um, and uh, what was, uh, I can think of a couple more, so. Do they work an eight hour work day over there like we do, or do they work five days a week? Uh... Also in Af Afghanistan and a lot of Muslim countries, um, the Friday is the day off. So you, your weekend is Friday, Saturday. Oh, and so okay. you go to, um, you'll go to the mosque on Fridays and pray. Um, but, uh, I'm just thinking of like the, so one of the ones that I, one of the things that I thought was really, um, was really heartfelt was I was explaining my experience in Afghanistan, feeling a little bit uncomfortable, like being hugged and kissed and holding hands with, with men who would mm -hmm. approach, who would approach me. Like I did training with the Afghan national police and this was my experience sometimes. And then one of them, one of the students said, well, you know, that's just how we show our love towards you. And I said, oh, man, you know, that's just so like, and they said, and I was just like, and so, you know, that's me sort of saying I felt uncomfortable that people were showing, were like showing their love towards me. But I was, and, but then I sort of turned around and I said, well, maybe just ask someone before you like hug them and kiss them <laughs> and, and ask them if it's okay for you to do that because... Otherwise, you, again, you may get some a few sour faces with people sort of saying that they weren't expecting that. But um, because, yeah, and because, you know, it's very common for um, men to be holding hands as they like walking down the street. Um, and um, and of course, like when they greet each other, men will kiss each other and things like that. And so um, that's yeah. that's definitely a, like a difference in the culture. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's kind of in my family growing up. We didn't hug or kiss <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah. hold each other's hands at all. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was from England, um, yeah. from Blackpool. It's a little vacation town on northern England, mm -hmm. um, and, and so. You know, we were, you, we just didn't do that kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. that just, no, you don't, no display of affection whatsoever. <laughs> so, 
it's been hard um over the years i've learned to accept the the love and and everything it's a, a more of like you deserve it like there's nothing mm. finer in this world to get somebody to hug you and love you and share their energy with you but when you're brought up in a way that that's not acceptable you know you fight there's that dichotomy of fighting your brain all the time mm-hmm yeah yeah one of the other things that i remembered was um they said that they appreciated how um we in america treated people with disabilities and i was sort of surprised about that but they said you know like in afghanistan if you have a disability then you're almost sort of shunned and you don't like there's no accessible there's not a lot of accessible ramps you know in different right. places and things like that so they said and accessible car parks so they said you know um they uh, that's something that they appreciated and wow I thought, and i never really thought about that before i never really thought about how um because i guess you sort of almost think of the other way how perhaps people with disabilities don't really get don't really get a fair um a fair go and uh, across the board but in developing countries that's potentially like even even greater i can see that wow yeah. so so that i mean what you're doing not only do you have your you know your spiritual path with your yoga and, and helping veterans and things like that but you're also i mean wow the love that you have and you're sharing your job that you have where you make your quote-unquote money it is helping people too as well i mean that's a that's huge i bet you love your job don't you yeah i, I really enjoy interacting with people um and i guess it's funny because um you know we have these programs that we teach around um at the uh job centers around um preparing for a job plan developing your resume and um interviewing and i i focus are, are more around interviewing mm -hmm. and one of the and so the what i try and get what i get everyone to do is just write down all these good things about themselves and then speak them out loud and so and so it's funny like i'm trying i'm teaching people interviewing but at the like my main focus is just to try and make people recognize just how wonderful they are you know Oh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I truly can see that. I mean, wow, you're just an amazing uh, human being. Actually, you're a beautiful spirit and a human body that just embraces love. You can feel it. And thank you so much for doing that. It is absolutely, you, it's, I'm just, I'm just in shock. I wasn't prepared for this tonight because I, I mean, I knew you were awesome, but you just like took it up to the top. Like you're always flying on that high flying disc there. That's amazing. Is, is your wife the same way? I bet you guys just do some amazing things. My wife is um, studying herbalism at the moment. Oh, so she nice. um, has had some health challenges. And so she's been healing herself. And I've been on this ride as well. So I've been, um, it's been wonderful. I mean, it's been great for me to experience the different, um, like we talked about, did we, did we talk about this? Did, no, we didn't, we didn't talk about the juice fast. 
Well, we were going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your juice fast that you did because you were supposed to come on last week too. I had my back injury. You were in the middle of a juice fast and it was like synergy not to do the show for both of us. Yeah, I was feeling a little bit low energy for sure. Yeah. So tell us about your juice fast. What what all did you do with this? Yes. So my wife at the moment is doing, um, well, my wife and myself are doing a candida cleanse. Um, so candida is um, like a type of bacteria in your gut. And um, apparently uh, just reading the material, like 60 to 70% of people suffer from issues with candida. Um, and it's associated with, uh, a lot of it is associated with um, having too much sugar in, di- in your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I guess another thing that's really saved me like I didn't recognize how important diet is mm-hmm. in um, your in healing injuries, um, and I. Uh, so my wife is a strict vegan. I don't sort of consider myself as um, a strict vegan. I just probably would say that I'm more plant based. Um, but I, uh, because I enjoy uh, well, I, I have ghee, which um, because I eat some Ay- Ayurvedic foods which um, Ayurveda is the sort of, um, it's the sort of uh, medical branch of yoga. Um, and it's called the science, it's the science of life. And um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting um, philosophy about how to live and how to eat. Um, but so I still practice a little bit of that along with this, the veganism, but um Removing dairy from my diet I, it has been transformational, just releasing the inflammation. Um, and once you, you get the inflammation in your body under control, um, healing all of the knots and um, tight muscles and stuff like that just becomes so much easier. And so um, then to sort of uh, uh, get back to the juice fast. And um, so we started our candida cleanse with um seven day liquid diet so we had juice we had um probiotics uh detox drinks Mm -hmm. um that we made uh which consisted of um garlic uh, raw garlic lemon ginger and cayenne nice and then um yeah, and so um, it's the second time. So last year I did um, like a, a colon cleanse to mm-hmm. remove um, mucoid plaque from your intestinal. Um, so you actually um, take a different types of herbs that help you go to the bathroom and then you drink uh, a clay and that helps to absorb um, toxins within your intestinal linings. And so the combination of those like... Um, whilst you're on a whilst you're on a liquid diet helps to clear out all of your system and so um and man once you like it takes maybe three or four days to get through the sort of withdrawal syndromes but because you're having the juice so it's just green green juice so we one of the things that we limit at the moment is no fruit because that helps feed the candida so once you've got your candida under control. So I guess it's just, it all comes down to, you know, that balance, that yin and yang, because you've got a, um, a balance of bacteria in your gut and you don't want to, um, 
like affect it too much because you don't want to remove what if you remove all the bad um uh bacteria then um there's the all the all the good bacteria then start to turn bad and it's it, 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 your body is always trying to move back into homeostasis yeah so, so you want to just do this um quite gently and so they um and another aspect of it is uh, it's recommended that particularly for people who are like fasting for the first time that if you go straight onto a water fast then a lot of people have too much toxins within their body that you start to get like headaches maybe rashes and things like that so mm -hmm. it's it's recommended to do the juice first and so it's just green juices do like three um 32 ounce uh green juices a day and so it's a lot of juicing <laughs> yeah and a lot of a lot of juicing and a lot of cleaning the juicer um, what kind of juicer do you guys have we have a, a, a keurig i just bought one of those oh wow yeah they're they're so good um and um they so another thing about juicing is that it's really good to juice and then drink it straight afterwards like within 20 minutes right because that all of the enzymes are still um living and with the curing I, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong though but i can't um, you, say it either so don't worry <laughs> but i know which one you're talking about yeah you um you can the way that it domesticates the um the fruit and vegetables it's um it's uh it allows it keeps the enzymes for longer but you still want to try and drink it so we were just sort of doing we just do it for the day we do all our juicing um and so there's a lot of juicing going on um but yeah so you and then also just having that opportunity for the juice diet it allows your um, digestive system to take a break because you can imagine all the energy that it goes um, from your body that goes into digesting food and so that um energy is allowed to be used elsewhere and so i definitely feel um inflammation decreasing in the body um I was I did some yoga practice and I noticed that I was a lot more flexible yeah. um, and uh, actually I did um, a Dharma yoga um, training her Dharma is a um, uh, Sri Dharma Mitra is a yoga teacher in New York City and he um, has this catalog of different poses and you know they're very um, like hard poses and he uh, said that for some poses for this for these picture shoots he would fast for like five days in order to be able to get into these poses and so i can i when i when i was thinking about that during my juice fast i was thinking oh yeah well no like duh you know it's once you remove once you move that energy elsewhere it really opens up the body um and yeah and so now we're slowly um introducing different foods uh foods back in um it takes three days to uh for your digestive system to come online after that seven day sort of liquid um, diet. And did you guys uh, take herbs with the, with the green drink? Um, said she's still, you know, studying to be an herbalist, like, yeah, we did. Um, we did, we took different teas um, uh -huh. to uh, calm the, your digestive system. Um, I, uh, I usually drink uh, mate, uh, urban mate tea because I'm not a coffee drinker. But uh -huh. as I get sort of a little bit um, older, I find that I just need that energy. And 
Um, I, so I'm either drinking green tea or um, herba mate in the morning just mm-hmm. to get have a little bit more energy. And then um, I really like, uh, like well, it was recommended on the diet peppermint tea, but yes. um, I don't think we had any at that time. Uh, we didn't have any at that time to, to, to have, but my wife um, sometimes makes some like tea conco- concoctions and I try them and stuff. And so I, I definitely uh, I have like, I really enjoy different teas. Um, at the moment, we have this uh, lavender rooibos, mm-hmm. which is really nice, um, and I enjoy drinking that. Wow, to have your own built-in herbalist living right there. <laughs> you know, the uh, herbs are amazing because they can have some... Uh, I can't, I can't take any anti-inflammatory type of medications, nor do I mm-hmm. want to if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but herbs, they have a way of calming the nervous system down. They have a way yeah. of cleaning out the liver um, you know, to help, you know, because uh, if you keep that thing cleaned out, uh, it helps with some of the other pains that we have mm-hmm. in our, in For our sure. body. Yeah. Yeah. The liver is so important. And, you know, um, not, uh, I think, um, you know, I was, I was a big, well, quite a big alcohol drinker um, when I was in the army. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and so not uh, other than sort of having red wine, um, I don't, my wife doesn't drink at all. And I sometimes will have some red wine when I go around their parents' place or we're at a social, social function or something like that. But. Um, that has that's definitely I've noticed that as well because that is a big inflammation builder and um, liver degrader. Yeah, I mean it, 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 it's just so important. And the green drink that you guys are talking about, what was that like? Celery and kale and yeah, they had a number of different green drinks. Green drinks. The one that I um, sort of just sort of stick with is uh, I have. Um, spinach and kale or spinach and kale uh celery i have um uh, cucumber and a lemon sometimes mm-hmm. i put parsley in it mm-hmm. or um, cilantro just like a handful um as well as maybe some mint sometimes as well depending on if we have if there's any available i also put um turmeric and fresh turmeric and ginger my my juice. My wife doesn't like ginger, so she doesn't have the ginger. But I, she she has the turmeric as well. And so turmeric's a great anti-inflammatory. Um, and having it fresh as well is like you've got the enzymes in it. Just try not to spill it everywhere because it stains a lot. Yes, it does. Yeah, don't, I thought you had to have like black pepper or pepper to get turmeric to absorb. Uh, yeah. Is that something you've heard? I have heard that as well. So I take turmeric tablets as well. Uh-huh. They have cumin and black pepper. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I think it's more like an an activating ingredient, mm-hmm. so that it helps to um, move it, move the the anti-inflammatory um, substances to where they need to be. That's what black pepper and um, like cumin and stuff like that um, does. Uh-huh. I got you. So, did, um, but I've never juiced turmeric. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Turmeric, 
if you have oh, i used to make I, uh, the other juice that i really like to do but i'm not allowed it at the moment <laughs> is um is like a lot of turmeric with um orange juice uh-huh. and carrot juice and um and ginger as well so it's like it's more of a sweet um juice but mm-hmm. you're getting like a lot of vitamin C um, with the um, with the uh, oranges, or I use um, more um, mandarins because they're easier to peel. Um, and then the carrot juice is a really good um, detoxifier. Well, do you share this um, with the the people that uh, you help out in, in, you know, like the first responders and the and the veterans too as well? Are you educating them on on this? Yeah, I mean a little bit. I um, so uh, sometimes they have to listen to me talk, <laughs> and so I will talk a little bit to them. I like it's one of those things where I do feel. Um, sometimes uncomfortable because you sometimes feel as though you're sitting on your soapbox, you know, talking to people. Um, and some people just don't want a bar of it. You know, they've, they've eaten a certain way for their whole lives. But one of the things is that when I went to um, this veterans retreat last time, I said, uh, oh, um, you know, I think we could do a lot better job with the food that we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could try and do like more healthy foods and just to try and see how people feel. And they were definitely, they were totally on board. And so they said, yeah, Alistair, next time we have a retreat, we'd like you to help us out with like, what foods we should prepare. And the thing is that, that what I don't do is say, you know, we should do all vegan food all weekend. It's more like, okay, let's do, um, uh, like, uh, let's have um, a, a vegetarian option and mm-hmm. offer people to try it. Or let's have... Um, like uh, a salad or a salad like a, a wrap or something like that instead of um like a white, white bread sandwich and just these like really slight slight changes mm-hmm. can do um can do a lot for people who aren't used to that one of the things that we're a little bit hesitant about is that once you change someone's diet you know they're in a new place they're on a retreat they're in a new place they're doing yoga classes in the morning so they're they're being required to feel into their body and they're um doing um like and some sometimes we do some like sort of uh in first responder world it's called peer support and sort of like group like group therapy group chat sort of thing so we sit around the fire and just chat about different topics um at night and that's you know and so all of these things come together that really help people where they're at and sometimes more things are more of benefit than others so one thing that we do as well um we've got a a fly fishing retreat coming up and so what we do is say that's one of those things they come to this fly fishing retreat and when we get there they say well you know we're actually incorporating mindfulness into fly fishing because fly fishing is quite a, a practice that you're in nature you can you're you you you're what we do is we space people out so that they're by themselves they're fly fishing which is a very meditative technique it's sort of once you've got it down it's just moving the rod back and forth and it's and um and we just speak about my how we can bring mindfulness to that activity and then at night we talk about well how did you feel about you know being in nature how did you feel about like maybe recognizing your thoughts a bit more and things like that 
And then in the mornings, we do um, sort of coming into our bodies. And so all of these different things, some things um, are a benefit to other people um, than, than others. And so uh, it's definitely um, one of those things that I've tried to, um, to, help, out, to help out on. I, I love that. I, in fact, I think corporate America should incorporate this, you know, retreats like this for their employees, you yeah. know, because over time there can be some stressful situations mm. that cause, you know, people to just like flip out. And, and, and this would just like, you know, I heard in Japan, like they do some type of exercise and, meditation before work or something like that we don't do that here <laughs> not you don't really i just wanted to mention as well um there is a uh a retreat for veterans in florida uh-huh it's just near um uh tampa um and it is um called they're called um operation warrior resolution o-w-r uh -huh. And they actually have a retreat, and that was the first time I, I, I visited that retreat with them. And they um, they do serve just plant based food, and so oh. they and so what they do is they don't tell everyone, and then they they serve food, and then they say, "What did you guys think of the food?" And then everyone says, "Oh," and you know, I, at least a couple of people say, "I recognize that it, it was it was a plant based you know plant based mm -hmm. burger," or you know, like a beyond meat sort of thing. And, um, and so, but they sort of, yeah. And I, I, I think that that's amazing as well, because they're introducing people to juice, to, um, to plant-based um, foods. And they, and then they ask them like at the end of the three days, like, how do you, how do you feel? And, you know, a lot of people say, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot cleaner. My digestive system is working a lot better. Mm -hmm. And um, and a lot of them, a lot of veterans that are leaving that retreat say, I, I feel as though that this is something that I could incorporate more into my into my diet and something and and even recognizing if I am going to eat meat um, or dairy, thinking more closely about where it's coming from, because yes. that's that's something that's really important. Like, is it coming? Is it full of hormones? Is it? Or, or is it coming from grass-fed organic farm where they treat the animals um, like uh, with loving kindness, um, things like that? And so, I am totally agreement with you. Uh, one of my guests that I recently had on here uh, does organic farming in the urban area, uh, you know, for St. Petersburg and Tampa, mm. and. Um, you know, we're talking about how we should be growing our own food and know where it's coming from. And that animals, you know, if you put animal meat into your mouth, which is fine, but know where they're coming from because you're getting all their cellular energy, mm -hmm. whatever they've been fed, whatever they're, you know, how they were treated, all of that, you're ingesting that and that becomes a part of you. Yeah. Yeah, and then I mean to take that to another level would be in yogic philosophy. It would be um, you're taking on that energy as well. So was how when that you know um, 
when that animal was killed, if they were in fear, then potentially some of that fear energy is coming into your system. Um, some of uh, it's believed to be in some in some instances believed to be karmic to um, to eat meat or eggs because um, you know you're taking that life. Mm-hmm. But one of I guess one of the things associated with being human is that we have we um, take life in order to survive. And so it doesn't matter like what life it is because plants still have a nervous system. Um, like science, right. science shows, has showed that. So essentially we are, but, and, but I do say that with a hint because I know, I mean, I, I've had a few discussions with people about this um, even yesterday and over the last week as well about the breatharian movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard or researched yes. anything about anything about that, but you know, I follow, I've, followed a couple of people because i'm just fascinated about these people and you know there are people out there that have been debunked to say they're like i am a breatharian but then they're eating behind the back but still even you know they are probably still having a lot of reduced food than the the standard person but there are some people out there and i think the record is like 70 something days people have lasted without food or water and you know that's amazing. Imagine if it you is. could imagine if you could go seventy days and then eat for a week and then go for another seventy days. And I'm not saying that people should do that, but <laughs> I'm just saying that imagine that because I think in my consciousness, I believe that just like anything, that's a skill that can be trained. And so if you're really into that and you really want to show people that, hey, you know, there is a different way of living that we can feed ourselves off prana, we can feed ourselves off the energy of the earth, of the sun, and we can be self-energizing beings. Imagine imagine, imagine the freedom that comes with that. I uh, Right? <laughs> Never having to worry if you got to cook something or <laughs> gather up food or go yeah. shopping again. Think yeah. how much money you could save. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely um, I have learned as well about... Uh, eating raw that just eating raw living food just how good that is for you just with the enzymes and you know when you cook food as well um but you know at the moment we're eating cooked food because um we're trying to get our digestive system slowly back going going again but when you can um eat raw food uh and i have done that for like I practiced a little bit um, sort of on a fruit fruit and raw food diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Um, people look at you strange when you eat like eight, eight, eight apples for breakfast or something like that. <laughs> but um, it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of scientific research that shows that, you know, what are we close, most closely related to? We're most closely related to. Um, monkeys okay um, what do they eat well they eat predominantly fruit and nuts okay right. well so our digestive system is predominantly made for what well perhaps fruit and majority <laughs> fruit and nuts and so um, yeah so a lot of like uh, I've met people who are fruitarians fruitarians and and they you know, I think that um, other than perhaps B12, they, they, uh, all of their blood tests and everything come back 
just like uh, uh, amazing. So it's definitely something to you can train your body in, but it's something that potentially you need to. It's it's a stage process, and that, that's what I found it was for me. I you ate a lot of meat. I and then I started to reduce the amount of eat meat that I ate. And then I started more on a um, vegetarian diet and I ate a lot of eggs to sort of replace mm -hmm. the protein that I was getting from meat. And then I went on to um, uh, no, uh, no eggs and then I went on to no dairy and then I went on to, um, and I mean, like, that's not, I didn't as well. I have to take, say that where um, I did, if there was nothing, if there was sort of no other options, I wouldn't sort of go out of my way. And I wouldn't, another thing that I find that some people do is they get frustrated with, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you don't have this. Oh, I'm, that makes me so frustrated. That energy of frustration and anger is actually perhaps more toxic than eating the dairy yes. that comes in your coffee, you know, but it's you know that's just that's just balancing it so i i did balance it and i still do balance it i um i sort of say to people you know as long as it's made with love then i'm i'm willing to accept that food because you know sometimes you go to people's houses or something and they don't um they don't have uh they made some they make something and they put milk in it or something or something like that and i'm not going to say oh, i'm not going to eat that because it has milk in it i sort of say you know um as I can tell that it's been made with love. So I'm willing to like to try it because I, I know that you, you like, you put the effort in to make this dish for me. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's just my perception of it. You know, other people are, well, you know, that was, that's milk. That's potentially karmic. That's, you don't know where that's come from. That's could be GMO milk, but I, there is an essence of it as well is that, um, food that's made with love like in um in the yogic tradition a lot of food would be made whilst um people are repeating mantras mm -hmm. and so that would be infusing the food with this energy and then um they would offer they would offer the energy they would offer the food to um like my uh to perhaps um in like the hindu tradition to like um krishna and um they would and it would be uh, like the food is, is is a sacrament and and then it's blessed the food is blessed and people eat slowly and they don't watch tv or it's in some people in some instances the people don't even talk while they're eating because they just see it as such a sacred practice and you can imagine that compared to um i'm running out the door while i'm shoving this food into my mouth <laughs> it's so it's so different and in some instances perhaps that doesn't even matter like what you eat it's just a matter with the intention that you bring to the to the eating how it's prepared and and how um and like and the gratitude as well that's that's um taken um alongside the the meal that's being prepared yeah you know i i heard something um a long time ago that your energy can take non-organic vegetables and make them organic from the energy that you put into it while you're preparing them. You, yeah. you know 
I've heard that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just reminded me of that. Uh, and it's funny that you brought up breathitarian today because I was talking mm -hmm. about that today. That, you know, there was this this one older gentleman supposedly gone 300 days. Wow. But I so that Was that without food or water? Yes. Wow. Uh, but I never saw him. I never laid eyes on him. <laughs> Can't confirm it or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But... 300 days is what I was told. Um, and, and, and I also was told that with the right nutrients, like vitamins, you could go a long time without eating. If you just took supplements, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know? Yeah. I think that, um, uh, one thing that I like, I think that potentially we could get to the stage where we're sort of eating more just because we're enjoying the flavor you know, mm -hmm. and just enjoying the experience rather than um, thinking about, I mean, you know, there is a, of course, there's a nutritional base to it at the moment, but I think that's potentially an aspect of our consciousness as well, because um, belief and faith has, I think, a lot to do with it. Um, I was just actually um, watching this program about um, the it was um, kundalini yoga and it was mm -hmm. talking about the chakras and it was saying that actually in the um upanishads which are the um texts written by the um ancient sages they say um it is beneficial to visualize the the chakras and um and that can be of assistance to um enlightenment but what they don't say is that there are actual chakras. <laughs> and so, and that really made me think, it's like, well, actually maybe the belief, what they're suggesting is that this, just the belief that you have these energy systems within you that can be of assistance to your awakening is all you, re all you need. And when you've got that absolute faith and belief that these, these, chakras these centers, centers of energy or wheels of energy exist and they are going to assist you on your path of enlightenment then you don't need to it doesn't it doesn't matter if they exist or not right <laughs> and that can be the same with the you know where you gain your nutrients from if i have absolute faith that i can gain my nutrients from the sun and the earth then um and I'm, I'm wavering in that then you know perhaps there is um there is a ways and a means um to to achieve to achieve that but i think that you know there is a lot of people um perhaps uh look at that and they think it's foolish and then other people would say that it's almost it could be potentially dangerous as well you know some people who don't have training or um and just want to step into this and give it a go that could be dangerous for people um and people could get hurt because they are not eating potentially yeah they they need to learn that when you're when you do like a, a juice cleanse or you go on a water fast or you know whatever that you might be doing it's very important that you keep up your elimination process during yeah. all of that because the mm -hmm. toxins need to go somewhere yeah. and if you don't help yourself eliminate they can get stuck in the body and make you sick 
Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. And or you can get like headaches, rashes. Some mm -hmm. people have lost teeth, um, lost hair, uh, like crazy things um, because of the toxins. Um, and again, like that buildup of toxins as well. Yeah, so the, the so the elimination process, it, you know, I'm all for the juice fast and all. I think it's very cleansing. I, I, in fact, I like to do uh, intermittent fasting myself on mm -hmm. a regular basis, yeah. where I just eat one meal a day. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so that's one of my favorite things to do, and it's very it's it's enlightening to do that. You have this energy, you feel great, all that, but you've got to make sure that you're eating things that will help you eliminate in the process. Very, very important. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to get back, I think that uh, if you want to clear your mind, an aspect of that is, is cleaning out the body. And when you, uh, Firstly, just coming into the, coming into more feeling and sensation with the body, because for myself, um, I think that, you know, having to push through hardship um, and using your body as a tool to um, like for physicality can sometimes mean that you're not actually in tune with your body. Mm -hmm. And so this, that's why I found really it was it was actually funny because it's a blessing and sometimes it's actually a little bit of a curse because once you start to delve into the body you actually realize you actually come to recognize all of those little aches and pains and knots and tightness and you think man maybe if i could just go back to when i'd never felt any of this stuff before <laughs> but now that you have opened uh the closet the um all of these uh injuries that you never managed uh, properly before just come back to sort of haunt you a little bit and so um so sometimes it's uh sort of one step forward and two steps back because you're having to and then at the same time for a lot of people they hold their trauma in their body and so having to be bring back sometimes when we're doing practice um you know memories can come back associated with hardships, um, traumas, and uh, they can, and it's working through those both physically and mentally. Um, Dr. Um, Bessel van der Kip, I, I, I know that I, I said his name wrong, but he has a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's all about how we just keep all of our traumas in our body and physically and we dis we dis we can disassociate ourselves from our body as a as a means of not having to deal with our trauma and then but then once um we move into these more um like somatic practices it can really be a beneficial to start to bring up those um like like a, a lot of uh, massage therapists that i know say that our issues are in our tissues <laughs> <laughs> And um, my yoga teacher would also say as well that like, you know, start with the body in and through the body. And then um, through that, you can recognize um, the effect that the body has on the consciousness and then start to work with the consciousness more once the body doesn't become a problem. Because once a body, once your body is not an issue anymore, 
then you can almost just leave it to do its own thing. And yes, you can maintain it here and there, but a lot of times it's for myself, it was coming to the practice after having like misused my body for such a long time that I needed to, um, I needed to take a lot of time to um, be kind with it mm -hmm. and to, um, to move through uh, um, different practices at different times to, to support it. Um, and then um, it's uh, oftentimes it's about, particularly for myself, who was like, who was very um, physically focused. It was about coming back to comfort and recognizing that, oh, I can actually do an exercise and I don't have to feel pain. I can just go to that sort of um, edge and go, okay, yeah, that's where that pain is. Or I don't have to go into that pain. I can just balance on that edge and I'm getting a lot more benefit in doing that rather than going, yeah, I'm grinding through this and I'm, and I'm moving through that. I'm, I'm determinately getting better, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so that's something to be, to work with as well. And another thing that I noticed about um, the yoga practice was that every, everything in your body is connected. Like you start to loosen the knots in your ankle and it affects your elbow. It's wow. just like, it's just, it's, that's just like a silly example, but it's just so many things in the body are connected. And so, and then you sort of, I think it brings you more into that connectedness between body and mind and then between yourself and others as well. Wow. Well, Alistair, we have run over time. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I feel like I don't even know half of the things I wanted to ask you. Um, <laughs> But I'm, we're, we're going to shut down here. But what is one thing you'd like to share with the listeners tonight that they can take with them moving forward mm. and, 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 you know, in a positive direction and getting to know themselves? Oh, getting to know themselves. Um, I think uh, probably the, the most difficult and easiest way is to um, to be still and quiet. And once you're still and quiet, and you um, see the monkey mind within, mm -hmm. that's uh, and you see the repetitive, often the repetitive and often negative thoughts that are generated by your mind, and you can stand back and become the witness of that. That is um, a definitely a massive realization. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Alistair, I hope you agree to come back on the show and and fill us in on your next adventure and what you're doing. Maybe bring your wife on too. We can ask her yeah. a few questions and stuff. Um, and, and, and hopefully we get to see you two on YouTube because I had just loved to watch, <laughs> just learn from you guys. I, you're both amazing. You're amazing. And I keep doing, you know, all the positive things because we need more people like you in this world. Great. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on to something like this. And um, I, I really uh, am grateful for um yourself and you're having this platform for people to come and share and um just uh grateful to be here and yeah definitely love the opportunity to to come back and and, and share some other things with with some of your listeners
Oh, we'd love that. All right. Well, everyone, I want to thank you guys for listening to another edition of Raising Vibration Radio. And again, Alistair, thank you so much for your beautiful time. And we're going to end the show right now. So good night, everyone.